KPBS On Demand is supported by UC San Diego Art Power is presenting Indian fusion band Red Bharat, mixing Indian bhangra rhythms, hip-hop, and funk music, March 23rd at the Epstein Family Amphitheater. Tickets and information about upcoming concerts and events at artpower.ucsd.edu. It was supposed to be a home base for city workers, but instead it's wasting public dollars. This week, San Diego is trying to close the money pit at 101 Ash Street. So what's next for the vacant downtown high-rise? I'm Matt Hoffman, and that's our focus this week on KPBS Roundtable. KPBS On Demand is supported by the San Diego County Toyota dealers, whose commitment to customers extends to giving back to the community and who are proud to support the City of San Diego lifeguards with their important role of keeping our beaches safe. Toyota, let's go places. Hello and welcome to KPBS Roundtable. I'm your host, Matt Hoffman. And joining us to dive into one of San Diego's biggest financial blunders are those who have covered it closely. Investigative reporters Jeff McDonald from the San Diego Union-Tribune, Voice of San Diego's Editor-in-Chief Scott Lewis, and KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen, they're all here and we really want to thank you all for your time and joining us. We've know you've done a lot of reporting over the years, all of you, but let's focus on what happened with Tuesday's settlement that supposedly is ending this whole lease-to-own saga. Let's get your views on why this move by the city is so significant. Starting with Jeff McDonald from the UT. Jeff, kind of a simple question, but maybe not a simple answer. Was this expected? Um, was it expected? I think so. Once it, once it came back the second time to the council docket, you might remember it was... Uh, withdrawn last month, less than an hour before the start of the council meeting a month ago, allegedly to give more time to the officials and the public to digest what the mayor had put forward because it was pretty complex. So the, the question became, well, if it does come back, they're going to make sure and have the votes. So I think uh, I think it was pretty clear they had at least five votes, which is what they needed. And Scott, what are your thoughts here? Well, the, the city just agreed to purchase two towers downtown for $132 million dollars. Uh, and committed itself to a vast redevelopment of the city's downtown core, perhaps the most ambitious, complicated real estate development project that they've ever undertaken. And uh, it's it's going to be fascinating. They Even during the meeting, Sean Elo Rivera, the council president, said that he wanted city staff to come back at the end of October with a plan for how they would do that. And he said, look, I, I know there are a lot of people who think we can't pull this off, but I'm going to hold us accountable to do that. It's a bet that I'm willing to take. Yeah. So uh, not just a, a settlement of this lawsuit, but uh, a vast and very complicated undertaking has just begun um, to reinvent the, the the whole core of the city. And Andrew, what are your thoughts on this deal? Well, one thing that I've heard from a lot of folks, you know, both this at the city council meeting this week online is that they're really upset about the deal. It's, you know, the most of the public commenters were against it. And many of them have said they think that the mayor and the city council members who supported this deal will pay a price come election day. 
that might be true. Uh, I still don't really have a good sense of how many people in San Diego are actually aware of 101 Ash and the whole scandal behind it. It's a complicated story uh, and doesn't make for great, you know, quippy attack ads. And we just had an election where uh, one candidate tried to make it a campaign issue, Barbara Bree running against Todd Gloria. Uh, and Bree hit Gloria very hard over his vote in favor of the lease to own deals that deal that ended up being so disastrous for the city. And Gloria still won that election by almost 12 points. So it doesn't seem to me like a topic that is top of mind when voters will be going to the ballot box, but we'll see. And speaking of Gloria, let's hear from him. He's the one who made the final arguments for why the city should spend that $132 million to move on from this entire issue. Here he is explaining that situation to council members during public comment on Tuesday. Simply put, all of the other options are far worse. Let me explain. The best case litigation scenario is that we prevail in our lawsuits and void our leases on these two buildings. This would mean paying tens of millions of dollars to restore 101 Ash Street after the botched remodel, only then to handle the keys over to Sistera to profit from. That would also mean that we would need to find and lease commercial office space for the over 800 city employees that currently work in Civic Center Plaza. It would mean that after all of this, the city would have nothing to show for it, not the buildings nor the valuable land they sit on. And Andrew, as you alluded to a little bit earlier, not everyone is buying the mayor's reasoning there. Why did three city council members vote against this settlement? Well, they had a couple different reasons. Councilmember Marnie Von Wilpert said that she would support settling the lawsuit at some point, but just not right now. Um, she seemed to think that if we were to wait a little bit longer, that more information might come out that, you know, from all of the concurrent investigations that are going on, and that that might bolster the city's legal case and maybe get the city a better deal because they'll have more leverage to, to extract more favorable terms from the building's current owners. Council members Vivian Moreno and Monica Montgomery Stepp cast the other two no votes, and they sounded, uh, to me at least, more opposed to this settlement on principle. Uh, Moreno, in particular, has been very vocal about this issue. She says, uh, you know, the city was defrauded and that the people who orchestrated this uh, should pay and we're, you know, we shouldn't be paying them. And they seemed just the three of them less concerned about losing this, uh, the lawsuit at trial, uh, given the city attorney's confidence in the city's legal case, um, and also less interested in actually owning the buildings, which, as Scott alluded to, is um, part of a larger plan to redevelop the civic core of downtown. Voice of San Diego's Lisa Haverstadt is another local reporter who has done a lot of work on this story, a lot of investigative work. Scott, we know that you were her editor many times on those stories. So let's talk about money here. $132 million. You guys mentioned it before. What exactly is the city going to be getting for that? Two buildings. They really wanted those buildings. Let's be clear. So $80 million of that is going to come from cash that the city is going to free up from its capital improvement project funds. If you think about a bunch of buckets uh, half full, three quarters full across the city for projects, uh, new parks, libraries, bathrooms that are falling apart, roads all across the city. They all have these buckets that are, you know, not full. And um, if they get full, they can start to build those projects. And that uh, that whole thing is called the Capital Improvement Projects Fund. They're going to take cash from that, and they say it won't delay or or. Uh, hurt the progress of those projects because they'll just borrow money for those projects. It's a significant amount of money 
and it's going to uh, it's going to have you know I think ripple effects around the city budget for a long time. But again, I think it drives home the fact that they really wanted these buildings and that they are very uh, bullish on that. They even used uh, as their uh, proof that they can pull something like this off uh, the sports arena saga, which. I would never use yet as an example of their uh, ability to do vast redevelopment projects of city-owned land. However, uh, they they think that's going to work out, and so that's what they are embarked on. And, and again, I think uh, it is just a vast uh, undertaking that they've decided to to embark on, and and it's going to be very costly. But they've already made essentially a hundred thirty-two million dollar installment on it. And in just a little bit, we'll soon get to maybe what the city is going to be doing with those two buildings. But let's bring back in Jeff McDonald from the San Diego Union-Tribune. Jeff, your story this week, it gets into the debate over whether this was the right move or not. Former city attorney Micah Geary, he was behind a losing effort to try and stop this, at least temporarily. And the current city attorney, Mara Elliott, she was against that. Why did they want to roll the dice and let this play out in court? Well, they uh, both sides feel confident of prevailing. When I say both sides, I mean... Aguirre, who represents a taxpayer suing the city in an unrelated case to these uh, uh, votes by the council uh, on Tuesday, and uh, Elliot was convinced she would prevail in court, so she wanted an opportunity to win in court. Uh, I want to go back to this $132 million, however. There's a footnote in one of the attachments the city provided that notes that they're borrowing the money to pay this $132 million. The repayment could cost as much as $207 million, so they didn't talk about that during the meeting the other day, but... uh, We reported that a couple of weeks ago after reading some of the fine print in the reports that the mayor's office put forward. So it's going to be a lot more than $132 million. And uh, the Civic Center Plaza also needs up to $60 million in repairs. So this this acquisition of the city is... uh, it's going to cost a lot more than what they agreed to spend the other day. Also, the settlement's only a partial settlement. Both the cases brought forward by the city, the settlement relieves Sistera Development and its lender, CGA Capital, of any liability in the case and pays off the leases uh, 100 cents on the dollar. Uh, but it, it, it remains, uh, uh, as defendants, uh, you know, real estate broker Jason Hughes and a number of contractors that performed work on the Ash Street building so those cases are going to persist in, in court, and uh, we'll see where those go. Also, the taxpayer case brought forward by uh, Aguirre and Severson is moving forward and set for trial in January as well in a separate courtroom. So uh, the vote from the council this week has no bearing on that case, although we can presume the city might go in and uh, ask for a dismissal on that based on the, uh, the vote this week. We'll see, have to see what happens. Uh, Andrew, go ahead. And Matt, I think it's also important to talk just as much about um, what the city is giving up with the settlement as it is what it's getting out of it. A big part of the reason city attorney Mara Elliott did not support this deal was that it bars the city from ever suing the other parties in the settlement in the future. Even if we discover new information about how Sistera might have um, been acting in bad faith in the deal or, uh, you know, future arguments that might bolster the city's um, position, um, we won't be able to go after them in court. So that was an important part is that future indemnification from those uh, other parties in the settlement. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really an interesting part of it. Remember, the city's case is that there was a criminal level conflict of interest with this. That their uh, real estate advisor Jason Hughes, who had volunteered for the city and was advising them on this deal, had a conflict of interest because he had a contract with 
the sellers, the landlords of these buildings, that if the city made this deal, he would get 45% of the profits. If they didn't, he would, get, he would have to pay 45% of their, their, their losses. So that's a conflict that the city says is not, uh, you know, is, is obviously uh, against the law in their opinion, and thus should mean that the whole deal is voided. Now, that's the basic case against Sistera. So uh, it seems odd that they would have that case and still pursue it when Sistera is the other party to that action, literally uh, was the one that, that paid Jason Hughes what he was paid. And so why they would settle that case and say it's fine there, but we're going to pursue the other party to that same conflict of interest, I think uh, is is uh, a mystery to me. And I think at the heart of maybe why Marty von Wilpert said, like, I'm up for settling it, but there is a also criminal investigation going on. We just saw was more significant than we thought perhaps the last couple of weeks because of some filings the district attorney has made and how interested she is in this in this conflict of interest or alleged conflict of interest. And so why don't we just wait and see what might happen, as Andrew said, what kinds of things might be released so that we can decide if if uh, our leverage is a little bit stronger, maybe we can buy these buildings. Because And again, she even said, like, I'm looking forward to redeveloping downtown too. Let's do it. But we might be able to get a little bit more leverage, might be able to get a better deal. And they were like, uh, they, they dismissed that concern and, and went forward and bought it as is. And then just like how you guys have brought up this idea of some criminality here, uh, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria, he brought up that same issue. Here's more from his public testimony. Now, I recognize that the proposed settlement agreement before you today won't satisfy anyone's thirst for vengeance, mine included. KPBS On Demand is supported by the National Conflict Resolution Center. Topics like political polarization and hybrid work policies can create workplace conflict. NCRC can help workplace leaders navigate divisive issues with the culture, communication, and conflict certificate. More at ncrconline.com. It's been hard for me to even get to this point, given what we were told then versus what we know now. But make no mistake, the proposed settlement that you're considering today does not foreclose the opportunity to hold anyone criminally accountable for their role in this affair. And Jeff, you brought up the name Jason Hughes earlier. He's a real estate broker that played a big role in this original transaction. What are you hearing about the appetite to, you know, sort of pursue cases maybe involving him or others in this deal? Well, the mayor's made a big scapegoat of Mr. Hughes uh, in his public comments, as did the uh, city attorney when they announced the uh, amending of the lawsuits a year ago. Uh, They both said that they'd been deceived, that these were bad actors, and they were going to recover all of the city's monies that they expended wrongly under these uh, uh, fraudulent deals. This was what the mayor and the city attorney said in June of 2021. Mayor Gloria changed course uh, at some point. Uh, and decided settling the case would be better. His claim is that the uh, the certainty provided by resolving the the cases with Sistera and uh, CGA Capital outweigh the uh, the cost. Although the cost is incredibly significant, it's like three times what the building was worth or appraised at, you know, five six years ago. Mr. Hughes, his lawyers say that uh, he looks forward to his day in court. He's done nothing wrong. He alerted. Mayor Faulkner and a number of top aides, I think as many as six all told, that he intended to seek compensation. I'm not sure that's the same thing as saying, hey, I'm going to make $9 million off these two deals, but uh, that's their position. And according to uh, Mr. Hughes's uh, legal team, uh, he looks forward to uh, his day in court. 
You're listening to KPBS Roundtable. I'm Matt Hoffman, and our guests this week are Jeff McDonald from the Union Tribune, Scott Lewis from Voice of San Diego, and Andrew Bowen from KPBS News. And so this definitely begs the question, how did we get here? We know that this all started with the city trying to find space to do the people's work. 101 Ash Street was supposed to be the new hub for city staff. But Andrew, what was the first sign of trouble there? I think it was uh, maybe in 2018, Jeff can correct me if I'm wrong, uh, when city staff, uh, they they had been leasing this building uh, uh, and nobody had moved in yet. And people were starting to wonder why um, the city uh, city staffers went to the city council and told them that the cost of all of the repairs for this building was way more than what they had previously estimated. Uh, and they gave the council, I think, three options. There was a pretty complete renovation, a medium reservation, a renovation, and a more modest one. They went with that full re- renovation, I think, because they thought it would save the city money in the long term, and it would, you know, create more space for all of these city employees downtown. What happened next was that the contractors dislodged asbestos into the air. It had been uh, occupied by more than a thousand city employees. The city had to evacuate them, you know, immediately because uh, they were all in danger. And ever since then, you know, it's been uh, unoccupied. You know, all of the details about the financial uh, dealings and the overpayment and, and, you know, we paid way more than what it was appraised at, uh, the structure of the lease to own deal and why it was made that way um, are all very damning. But I think we also have to remember that those thousand plus employees are now back working in the really awful, drab, uh, dilapidated office buildings that they were before 101 Ash became a thing. And so the city is long ter- in the long term still facing this very important question of how they're going to create space for all of their employees to actually do the city's business, uh, in particular downtown. And Jeff, we know that you're also keeping some tabs on some of those people who were evacuated from that building. We know that their story is long from being over. How are they doing right now? And like, are they still pursuing to try to get a settlement of their own? or Yes, these are completely unrelated lawsuits brought by uh, city employees, current and former, as well as contractors and subcontractors who worked on the building during the remodel. They called the press conference as recently as yesterday to say that, hey, if the city's willing to pay off the, the, the white-collar financiers like uh, Sistera and its lender, then they should be more than willing to stand up for the workers who uh, were exposed to asbestos. Uh, right now, there are about 55, 56 plaintiffs. Uh, those cases are going to go forward. They've sort of been on hold while this uh, financial uh, issue has been uh, litigated. Uh, and there may be more claimants to come in the future. Uh, I, asked, uh, I asked the lawyer representing that, uh, that batch of plaintiffs uh, what kind of damages these guys have uh, experienced. Uh, he said one guy had uh, a spot on his lung and his, he and his family are, you know, frightened to death that that's going to be something uh, other guys have been uh, you know exposed to uh, to asbestos like like covered in dust and apparently breathed in uh, they said in one example a guy breathed in 30 years worth of uh, asbestos of what an average person might consume in a couple of days yeah that's not going away at all that's that's just beginning and that's likely to cost the city millions of dollars uh, maybe maybe tens of millions who knows Yeah, that's going to drive that number up in this total settlement. And uh, something I want to bring up with you guys, Andrew alluded a little bit earlier to sort of the public reaction that's been happening. What are you guys hearing from your audiences? And we can open this up to anyone who wants to jump in here. 
I, I think it, it's attractive to a lot of uh, readers as a um, as a concern about taxpayer dollars and and obviously accountability. It's also an, an interesting mystery. There's there's a, sub, a bunch of sub dramas and interesting questions we still don't have the answers to about why different things happened along the way. And I think um, and now there will be a new audience for uh, this this big gamble the city's making on its ability to pull off this giant redevelopment uh, again that they've committed to and so i think um there's there's a lot of reasons to be interested in it not the least of which is the 80 million dollars or the 132 and and the interest and change that uh, jeff mentioned going forward to purchase these two pieces of property and and what that means uh, for other projects and priorities in the city and as much as they deny that it'll have stress on those on those projects and priorities you just need to look at any park and know that it's not up to uh, standards and it's not ideal at all. And, you know, taking $80 million from the funds that, that help those things uh, be uh, rebuilt uh, is not going to help either. Now, um, that said, as Andrew said, the Civic Center core really is an embarrassment to the city of squalor and um, dreadful buildings and um, you know, uh, the UT did a great piece the other day about the old California theater right there across the street. There's a lot of um, potential in that core area of downtown, and, and perhaps uh, we could look forward to uh, uh, the benefit of that. So we'll see. There's just a lot of anger about the missteps that got into this. So what uh, Jeff just described was this this other part of the scandal, which is that the city went in as its own sort of contractor and um, and did something that contractors know they can't do, which is disturb asbestos. And these old buildings have asbestos. They're built into the walls. And why that was allowed to happen, how that was allowed to happen, whose fault that was, is a significant mystery ongoing as well. And and frankly, the only reason we know about any of this, about Jason Hughes's money and, and about uh, all of the the profits that were pulled from this because of the scandal that uh, that the asbestos kicked up and uh, and the early reporting that Jeff and others did the, to kind of bring scrutiny on this because we wouldn't have known any of this without the fallout from that and and it was just as big a screw up as as you can have and again cast out on the city's ability to pull off these kind of giant projects. What I think bothers some people that I'm hearing from is that, you know, redeveloping the downtown is obviously a terrific idea and, and long overdue. Uh, I'm just not sure they are convinced this is the best path forward to achieve that goal, that they're separate and that the mayor linked these two things in a way that benefited him by not having to testify at trial going forward with this settlement. When the development of the downtown there's no hurry for that. That's a years-long project that, that hasn't even begun planning. And as we sort of wrap up here a little bit, let's look ahead. I mean, we know that the city is going to be buying these two buildings, but as Scott, you guys also alluded to, what's going to happen to them? Do we know if they're ever going to be usable or is it going to be up for redevelopment? Scott, we'll start with you here. What do you think could happen with those spaces? Yeah, it might be a year's long thing. They said they're coming back with a plan in October. They're very clear that they're going to tear them all down. That's what they want to do. You know, we can be as mad as we want about that. That's what they're doing. And they are planning on tearing it down. I think the city attorney said something like, why would you buy a building that's uninhabitable? They don't want to inhabit it. <laughs> they, they want the buildings so they can tear it down. Again, their ability to do that uh, is in question, and I think uh, um, not something they've shown they've been able to do 
ever, frankly. Uh, they, to, the best one we've seen so far is the, the Mission Valley redevelopment that SDSU has done. They basically just had to take that from the city through a vote of the people and a, and a, and a purchase. So it's not something the city's proven it can do at all. And Andrew, where do you see this going? Well, uh, of course, we do have a still a big need for a new office space downtown. Uh, the city hall itself isn't uh, particularly accessible or welcoming to uh, people who want to go to city council meetings. And then in the background of this, we also have uh, the regional planning agency, Sandag, that uh, wants to build a central train station somewhere downtown. Caddy corner to these properties are two blocks of real estate that are owned by the state of California. The state already has a development partner selected for that redevelopment. It's unclear exactly what they're planning, but uh, our mayor, Todd Gloria, has a lot of connections in state government, and I think he'll um, likely try and coordinate that project um, since, you know, with the city's redevelopment plan since those two properties are so close together. And Jeff, we know that you have a lot of sources on this story. What are you hearing could be happening with that land? Well, the official story from the city is they don't know what they're going to do with it, but I tend to agree with Scott that they do plan to uh, entertain RFPs, put out requests for proposals from developers to uh, build them a new city hall and, uh, you know, include some affordable housing and uh, and uh, other amenities. So I, th- I think that probably will happen, but I think we're talking 5, 10, 15 years uh, at the soonest. Uh, so I think that's what will happen to the property. As far as the litigation, I think that's going to trickle forward. I know that the... Uh, the Aguirre team, uh, they want to go after the uh, defendants in the cities, in their case against the city uh, and Sistera for the back rent that the city paid. I think it's about $24 million that the city paid for a building that was unusable under the same legal theory that they put forward in the in their initial complaint. So that case is not going away unless, of course, they, uh, the city is able to convince a judge that it should be uh, tossed out based on these new developments. And Andrew, one final question. It's going to be going to you here. We know that there's an opportunity cost to all this, $132 million. It can address a lot of pressing needs. I'm curious, how far can that money go when it comes to some of those pressing needs, like homelessness or fixing roads or, or anything else, really? Well, the city has uh, unfunded infrastructure needs of a, more than $4 billion over the next five years. So $132 million would not solve all of our infrastructure problems, but it's definitely nothing to sneeze at. Uh, it could do a lot. It could fund all of the city's current spending on homelessness for four and a half years. Uh, in terms of shelters, storage facilities, and all that outreach work that they're doing. As Scott said, you know, the, the city has said repeatedly this, uh, f- the shuffle, the budget shuffle that they're doing to kind of get this cash and, and uh, replace it later with future borrowing is not going to delay any capital projects. Uh, but I expect, you know, the media and, and the public will be watching very closely to make sure that's true. Well, we're going to have to end our discussion there. I want to thank you all so much for being here. Andrew Bowen from KPBS News, Scott Lewis from Voice of San Diego, and Jeff McDonald from the San Diego Union Tribune. You can listen to KPBS Roundtable anytime as a podcast. I'm Matt Hoffman. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll be back with you all next week. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.